And welcome to the Dark Side of Soul podcast. This is Joe. This is Sean. Get ready. We have a holiday. We have <laughs> Mars coming up. Okay, that was my. I know there is official Samil March 1st song. That was my improvised Tony Bennett version. Improvised translation? Yes. <laughs> so we, we are we are putting out this uh, episode on the week of March 1st, also known as Samil Undong, also known as the Manse Demonstrations, the March 1st Independence Movement, which is celebrated uh, from the March 1st Independence uh, Movement that occurred in 1990. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it, it, it's... It's a holiday, but a lot of people don't know why we have this holiday. I call it our third new year, hmm. third chance new year, because we have three new years. I think in Korea, we have January 1st, then we have lunar new year, Solal, and then we have March 1st, which is when schools and government agencies and businesses start their fiscal years. Hmm. Yeah. Everything starts over again on March first. So it's like it's like we have these like this gap, this two months of okay. Wait till this next year. Wait till this next year. We're okay. We're gonna start this new this year because I'm I'm working in I'm also working in tech startups right now, and we're we're talking to government agencies about funding and qualifying for certain programs, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll give our answer after this, you know, after New Year. Oh no, no, we'll give you this answer after Solal. Oh no, 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 we we don't have the money yet. We're we're, we're not going to have it until after March first. <laughs> it's all about that. <laughs> um, before we get started, I do I do want to just say, make sure to subscribe. And um, also, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash dark side of soul. And follow us on Facebook, dark side of soul. And we're also on Twitter at side soul. Is it? Uh, yeah, that's right. It's weird. Side yeah. soul. Yeah. Banchan soul. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> side of soul. Side soul. Yeah. Yeah. Just just search. Just search dark side of soul. If you're not. If you don't remember side soul. Because yeah. I never do. And we are also and I run the damn thing. Instagram, that's dark right. side of soul. I was, that's right. Pointing the pen, pointing all this stuff out. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, the March 1st. It's, uh, now being dark side of soul, we're not going to be the usual, um, official history that you'll find in Korean textbooks. They, they, it might be a little bit iconoclastic, but and it's also no i think i'm going to go both ways because um it was an independence movement but unlike in the u.s no war was fought successfully by the koreans to gain that independence so people say um so people some some people poo poo it and say oh it was a it was a failed independence movement but i'm gonna i'm gonna come around and say no not really there was there was some success in this that, yeah. that we're still feeling the effects of today. Yeah, it was, it, it was, there was quite a, yeah, there were a few things that really kind of shifted in the favor of Korea. Yeah. After March 1st. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a background, but I'm going to try to keep this background short. I want to do more podcasts about some of this background because we're seeing the burgeonings of Korea's uh, protest culture. Mm. becomes really big and we're going to cover it starts way back i would say in the donghak movement the eastern learning movement in the 1800s yeah. um which we're not going to go into today and it that is giant that's going to be multi-episode yeah. arc that's right uh, and it's super interesting it's going to fall into like it's going to explain a lot of things about korean culture when we talk about donghak that the protesting movement the the uh the disrespect for authority, even though we're, we're very much in one on one, we tend to respect authority, but it's government authority, the disrespect of government authority and institutions. And, and I would say the root of a lot of why there's so many cults 
that <laughs> up here in Korea. <laughs> Spins from yeah. Donghak. Stepping back against authority, I'm on board. That whole cult thing, not so much. Well, you know, you gotta get them both. You gotta, yeah. Um, Pick your battles. Yeah, so so the protest culture, I, I talk about this a little bit on my tour. In 1898, there was a group that called themselves the Independence. Was it the Freedom Club or the Independence Club? I uh, shoot, see, I'm going in. There was the Independence Club, and mm-hmm. that was around. Uh, but when the Japanese were starting to put wedge themselves more and more into the Korean government, uh, the Independence Club was disbanded, but it kind of popped up again and again under different names, kind of like how Korea's political parties do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Every um, four years. Yeah, I'm going to go through quickly. There was the, and uh, it's it's kind of framed under the patriotic enlightenment movement. This started around around 1900 and lasted through. Um, it grew into the independence movement. Um, uh, the there was the the Korean Preservation Society started in 1904, and uh, they actually. We're bringing awareness through public lectures and pronouncements, and uh, uh, they 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 did okay. They did okay. Uh, what what was happening was Japan was uh, reallocating land, and it was hurting uh, sharecroppers, and so uh, they were able to succeed in getting Jap- Japan to back off a bit on uh, this land reorganization, um, and a few others popped up there but because of all these these uh uh all these organizations were going in where we're being banned that uh they started going underground and and the reason i'm bringing up that they're bringing underground is this sparked korea to create these systems these underground systems this underground network and and how they were able to keep all the all the provinces, the counties, the townships, all of them connected all throughout the peninsula and outside. And it's, it's created this system of coordination, which comes into play later on. Um, there's some other interesting ones I like to point out. Um, there was a Korea Self-Strengthening Society in 1906. And... Uh, uh, See, 1907, King Kojong was forced to abdicate the throne, and they were really against it. Um, and they were forced to dissolve. Uh, but then in Daegu, this group called the Association for Redemption of the National Debt. That was in 1907. This came about because uh, Korea owed a lot of foreign debt, mostly to Japan. Japan was intentionally getting Korea to do this so that it could take over Korea. This is similar to what China is doing now to a lot of uh, countries in Central Asia and Africa is they're, they're coming in, they're building a lot of infrastructure and they're making these countries go into debt to China and watch out because China might be playing from the same playbook that Japan did. Just watch, watch this. Um, so lost all of our listeners in China. Oh, darn and um so uh, this spread out throughout soul spread to soul spread out throughout the nation um these campaigns to raise money to pay off korea's debt it was interesting it inspired men to do a no, a no smoking campaign <laughs> can you imagine that yeah <laughs> Uh, women sold decorative hairpins and rings. This reminds me a lot of the 1997 financial crisis. Hmm. Um, how Koreans were, were trying to ch- were chipping in to pay off Korea's debt. This is very similar to that. Wasn't but, uh, there something just 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 quick? Don't want to interject for too long, but wasn't there something similar in the U.S. in the early 20th century? Uh, people were asked to hand in their gold and things like that. That would be for the war movements. I know for the war they did that. Maybe that's what I'm, maybe that's what I'm thinking. It probably happened in Canada as well. But okay. Anyway. Anyway, anyway um, this this association was broken up. Uh, they um, because uh, it was it was starting to get some media attention, and then the 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 Japanese governor general um, brought up fake embezzlement charges to the editor of the Tehan Mail Shinbo, one of the major newspapers. Um, 
and that silenced any um it, it it just it just killed the whole movement and and later the tra- the charges were dropped and the editor was released because there's no use for it anymore so anyway this this brought up a lot of secret organizations uh that that set everything in place move ahead to 1910 japan officially annexes korea um through all these sneaky means uh in 1909 uh, they kind of disbanded the Korean army saying, oh, we don't have any funds. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and so Japan's like, well, we're going to have to protect you somehow. It'd be a shame if anything happened to your country. <laughs> <laughs> you are a protectorate. Yeah. We'll protect you. Yeah. And it just, it just comes in slowly like, like an illness. Um, during this time, there th- there is definite land reorganization. It's again, it's bad for the tenant farmers, um, also bad for the landlords as well. Uh, inflation doubles each year, um, and a nineteen. And then, then what brings it further? It's it's towards the end of the decade. Uh, in nineteen eighteen, there's a famine in Japan, and they made up for it with by exporting korean rice and korea didn't have you know korea didn't have a giant exportable crop of rice they were taking the rice out of korea's mouth to feed china uh and it got so bad that that rice prices hiked 500 percent in two years that's pretty high yeah. yeah and so the the governor general was showing his incompetence in handling this and also in the 1800s, part of the Donghak movement was they were the ones that really instilled an anti-Japanese sentiment. Um, and it kind of waned a bit because there was always pro-Japanese, anti-Japanese or um, segments in the government and in the scholarly class and the intellectuals. But uh, after all these years of suppression, just people were just losing hope. Uh, a lot of the big intellectuals uh, and uh, leaders just just uh, went into self-exile. They left Korea, uh, went to China, went to the coastal regions, the maritime regions of Russia, uh, went to the U.S. Um, and there were different types of organizations forming. There were military-style organizations. Uh, these are usually around uh, Manchuria, uh, Russia, places around Korea. And they were creating these little military academies. There was even a military academy set up, I think, in California, in the U.S. And they were training guerrilla fighters to go and take Korea back. And there's other types of organizations that were that were focused on diplomacy. And uh, these were mostly uh, one in Shanghai, uh, started by uh, Shin Kyu-shik, who is a very important. Get this guy's name in your brain, Shin Kyu-shik. Uh, he started the Mutual Assistance Society in 1912. And then over in Hawaii, uh, the Korean National Association was started in 1909 by our good friend, Sigmen Rhee. And, and, and you're not catching my sarcasm when I say our good friend, Sigmen Rhee. <laughs> Easing man. Um, he's going to figure out a lot further in Korean history. Uh, he's not going to figure out too, figuring it too much today. He's biding his time. So, um, also, what happens in 1918? We're, we're we're reaching the end of the Great War, World War One. It was later called because there wasn't yet a World War Two, so it was known as the Great War. Um, and there was the, P- the Paris Peace Conference in January 1918. During that time, a a a little known president, U.S. president named Woodrow Wilson, uh, stated his 14 points, and included in the 14 points was the concept of um, self determination. Uh, and it basically said that all countries should have the freedom to be their own country so it was kind of an anti-colonial statement uh that that uh, nations should should determine their own futures without big brother countries uh taking them under their wings 
and this uh, fueled nation, this fueled nation nationalist movements all over the world, uh, and in, and it created independence uh, for uh, a lot of the ones that were on the wrong side of World War One, uh, for like the the former Austro-Hungarian Empire, which did not win World War One, um, Czechoslovakia, Romania, Yugoslavia. They um they got their independence uh, after this and also some uh countries that were under russian control at the time poland finland estonia lithuania latvia uh, they gained their independence but it also fueled um feelings of independence in in other uh, countries including korea very much so but you'll find that the winners of uh the great war uh they didn't let go of their colonies uh because we you know uh, India and the Philippines <laughs> and lots of African and Middle Eastern uh, countries were still under the Allies' controls. Um, over in China, uh, a student Yu Unhyung establishes the Shinhan Youth Party in china the new korea youth party this is also in january uh this was in january 1919 and uh he sent represent he sent representatives over to the conferences in paris to uh, to lobby for korea independence because this was building up because of the 14 points korea was really thinking all right we officially the the rest of the world is on our side that Japan should not uh, take Korea as a colony. Yeah, they were in for a bad awakening. Um, also, Korean student students in uh, Tokyo were they were uh, they published a statement demanding freedom from Japan. They 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 created the Korean Youth Independence Corps. Uh, they met at a YMCA hall in Kanda in Tokyo in February eighth, nineteen nineteen, and uh, during this they adopted a series of resolutions. Uh, again, like I said, they demanded independence, and they they brought a lot of encouragement from those inside Korea. Now, uh, actually, inside Korea, uh, there were already a lot of organizations started, but these were uh, mostly based on uh, from religious organizations. There was uh, like a Christian, uh, Protestant organizations, Catholic, Buddhist. Uh, I think some maybe cultish organizations involved in this. But they were they were all they all kind of worked together, but they were all uh, religious based. Um, your guess is as good as mine. I think maybe they already had a system of organization, and they might have had a little bit of cover that they're religious organizations that they could get away with some of some political uh, activity. We'll move on to well, keep around to January nineteen nineteen. Uh, King Kojong or emperor kojong at that point he dies um abdicated king kojong he dies and it is rumored though not confirmed that he was poisoned and i'm gonna save whether or not he was poisoned for a future episode it's one of those giant conspiracies that i don't want to go into now um but even today, a lot of people inside Korea believe that he was poisoned. As a, as like, they don't believe it, they think it's fact. Uh, we'll go into more detail that on another episode. But it's not important whether or not he was poisoned. It's important that people believed he was poisoned because this was one of the main. The one, the big, this is the big impetus behind the March First Independence Movement. It's it's what kept it going. Or or for fans of Les Misérables, it's like when Lamarck dies. <laughs> it pushes the students to to build the barricades and start their failed revolution. Spoiler alert for if you haven't seen Les Mis. <laughs> read it, <laughs> or or if you haven't read it, yeah, yeah. Um. So they were, so uh, King Kojong. It took a while uh, before they could prepare his body for public showing. Uh, they were planning on having 
official funeral rites on March 3rd. March the 3rd, 3-3. And the leaders of Korean independence knew that this would bring in people from all over the country. And so they decided to anticipate it and act, go into action two days before the funeral on March 1st. So moved to March 1st, and around 2 p.m., um, leaders of the multiple independent movements uh, meet at the Taehwaguan restaurant, also known as Myungwoguan. And uh, they, they're they going to meet and they're going to frame a constitution. A little bit of background. I'm, okay, this is how I'll get my ADD gets in, is me being the restaurant guy. I wanted to look into background about the actual restaurant. Um, it was uh, at the time that they were there, it, the chef was An Sun Wan, who was a former chef of the role of the palace and uh he was introducing uh palace cuisine to the public for the first time but um sean this was this seems like the type of place we would have hung out in (laughs) (laughs) it's a place where a lot of the courtesans the concubines from the local and rural courts would hang out uh, what are you implying? That's where we would hang out. What are you talking well, about? I'm just saying. I'm just, it just seems like uh, you know a, a lot, a lot of um, classy women who know how to party uh, would <laughs> hang out there. Uh, it was a fa- very social hangout. Uh, a lot of pro Japanese uh, scholars would hang out there. Uh, but it, se- it seems like a really fun place. It was really more of a social place than a restaurant. Uh, maybe like. Um, Gosh, it's hard to find out what it would be like today because geckos is gone. I was going to say like a geckos, but 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 I'm trying to think of a Korean place that's like that, where it's a good social place. Would you say what the table? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the places now are different. Well, I wouldn't say social sense pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, what what would you say? Yeah, I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking about that. But I mean, would you say social sense quite different? Would you say a Broughton's Club over at uh, the the basement of the British Embassy? Oh, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. Except not as exclusive. Maybe that's a little exclusive. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What would it be? Tom's Pizza. Tom's Pizza. (laughs) Tom's Pizza is where everyone hangs out. Yeah, yeah. I, I really would love to have hung out there. So anyway, uh, if you want to find it, it uh, um, the restaurant, of course, is gone. It burned down in nineteen um, nineteen eight. No, no. Uh, it, well, it, it doesn't exist, and now it's a, a a large white building. It just it just looks like an average office building, very nondescript, right off of Incidong on the western side of Incidong, um, across the street from the Centermark Hotel. Uh, where there used to be a McDonald's there, and next to SM Duty Free, I know it because uh, there's a bank in there. I used I used to sometimes go to the ATM there, <laughs> but it's one of those buildings you just walk by, and you never think anything of it. And and actually, there is a, a stone with a plaque there that commemorates what that building really was, and it is called the uh, the Tehua Building now, and and. And I've walked by the stone the whole time, and now I'm just making the connection that th- that was the location of the restaurant where the independence movement started. So that I find that really interesting. So anyway, 33 representatives met at the restaurant. Um, there's a little bit of back and forth about whether they should do a petition or a full-blown frame declaration. Full, they, they decided to do a full-blown declaration. Um, they read aloud this declaration of independence. And uh, the leaders signed it and sent a copy to the governor general. And and I'm going to, uh, if if you're willing to bear with me, I'm going to read the translation of what they sent. Um, we herewith proclaim the independence of Korea and the liberty of the Korean people. This we proclaim to all the nations of the world in witness of human equality. This we proclaim to our descendants so that they may enjoy in perpetuity their inherent right to nationhood. 
Inasmuch as this proclamation originates from our 5,000 year history, inasmuch as it springs from the loyalty of 20 million people, inasmuch as it affirms our yearning for the advancements of everlasting liberty, inasmuch as it expresses our desire to take part in the global reform rooted in co- human conscience, it is the solemn will of heaven, the great tide of our age, and a just act necessary for the coexistence of all humankind. Therefore, no power in this world can obstruct or suppress it. Here we go. And that was that was kind of it. Uh, the, the leaders uh, phoned the police after this, and they were promptly arrested. Uh, I would say this is kind of similar to how uh, modern protesting groups act. They, they coordinate with the police ahead of time to decide who's going to get arrested. If you ever see the protest in Seoul, a lot of it is theater and a chord, it's a choreographed dance. Um, visitors of Seoul get so freaked out when they see the ri- people in the police in riot gear and they say, don't worry about it. It's every, it's kind of tame. Uh, the protest, uh, sometimes I hear that like they decide who's going to push which policeman <laughs> so that they get arrested. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> all pre-planned. So I would say this, this is kind of similar to that. Um, so some other points that they published uh, through media outlets, uh, discrimination by the government. Uh, they, they, they were. This is things that they were. They, they, pro, they were protesting uh, discrimination by the government when employing Koreans versus Japanese people. Uh, they, 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 they claimed that no Koreans held important positions in the government anymore. Um, a disparity in quality of education being offered to Korean versus Japanese people. Uh, mistreatment and open disregard of Koreans by the Japanese occupiers. Um, that that political officials, both Korean and Japanese, were arrogant. <laughs> I think they can still put put that in a charter. Um, uh, no special treatment. They didn't want special treatment for Korean upper class or scholars. Uh, the, they said the, the administrat- administrative processes were too complicated and new laws were passed too frequently for the general public to follow. This sounds very familiar, especially if you're a foreigner here. <laughs> um, too much forced labor that was not desired by the public. The taxes were too heavy and the Korean people were paying more than before while getting the same amount of services. Uh, land continued to be confiscated by the Japanese people for personal reasons. Korean village teachers were being forced out of their jobs because the Japanese were trying to suppress Korean culture and teachings, which is true. They were discouraging the use of Hangul, and later on, they were um, they were they were forcing Korean families to to change their names to Japanese names, which is a big no no. Yeah, all of the uh, all of the elderly people. I mean, quite elderly, and most of them that I knew, say, years ago, 15, 20 years ago, who most most of them are now gone, they've passed away. Uh, they, um, they all had Japanese names. Of course, they didn't use them anymore, but they remembered their Japanese names. Wow. Several, several of them could speak Japanese. My wife's grandmother couldn't read Korean. Wow. She, she was illiterate in Korean, but she could read. She was fluent in Japanese. She could speak oh. Korean, of course, but she couldn't read it. She was never educated in the Korean system. So her only, the only alphabet she could read was the, is, was the Japanese one. And she loved poetry. But if she wanted to read Korean poetry, mm-hmm. she had to read Japanese translations. Wow, that's interesting. Mm. Wow. That reminds me of something else, but I won't. I don't know. I could tease it. All right. In my research, I was looking into Kim Il sung, the the, oh, the first leader of North Korea. And I was part of me was wondering, like, what his involvement was. I thought because I thought before that he was involved, but he wasn't involved at all in any of the independence were, uh, movement especially this part in fact he was so separated from Korea 
for 27 years that when uh, he went back to Korea and was put into power, he could hardly speak Korean. Mm-hmm. He like had a preschool level of Korean. We'll return to the podcast after this message. Get our comic book, The Dark Side of Soul, Weird Tales from Korean Lore, at our website, darksideofsoul.com, or get it at Comixology. If you're in Seoul, visit the Dice Latte near Huegi Station to get your copy. Written by me and drawn by Tim Bauer, it's 50 pages of folkloric dread. And now, back to the show. Interesting. Anyway. Mm. We'll bring that. I'll make a whole. We should do a whole episode on that one. Um, they also argued like that Korea's resources and labor were being exploited for the benefit of the Japanese, like a colony would be. That Koreans were working towards uh, the Koreans were not reaping the benefits of their own work. Um, some other notes about this was about the the, the Declaration of Independence and. Um, the whole movement itself was they were actually discouraging vengeance against Japan. They're just, they weren't saying like, let's get revenge against Japan. They were just saying, Japan, could you stop this? And let's just move on, which I think differs greatly from the attitudes towards Japan now. Oh, well, yeah, I think if, if Japan bent in 1919 to these demands, the the modern views of japan would be totally different Mm -hmm. for sure yeah yeah um yeah but they wanted this to be peaceful and um yeah i also noticed this too there's this common thread uh amongst a lot of the the thinkers in the movement that they wanted to raise korea's moral character i was wondering what they meant by that um what was what was it about the Korean moral character that needed to be raised? And I think that I got the sense that they weren't accepting that um, the Western nations, the other nations wouldn't take them seriously unless they could prove that they had a higher moral character. To me, I see this as a maybe an early version of what I call little man syndrome. I see a lot in which it feels like korean officials keep wanting to impress western westerners the the kind of like oh they like us now type of thing i was wondering if this was related to that if it was a bit of that like anytime you find out that uh, it makes it the press whenever the new york times mentions bibimbap and it's all over the korean press oh they like us they like us um things like that um d war when d war dragon war came out so long ago it's just for those who don't know it's this horrible horrible site uh movie awesome. special effects movie about fighting dragons just really bad and it was but in and it was it's like it, it got the lowest it, i think it won won the lowest rating on rotten tomatoes that year out of all movies zero <laughs> yeah <laughs> close to zero but it was considered a source of national pride because we're going to it, it was filmed in hollywood and it was released in the u.s as as an english language hollywood movie it was made by a korean it's more of this what i call it's more of this little man syndrome like why did why does korea feel this korean especially the older korean generation feel this need to uh, prove themselves to the west rather than have the confidence that you don't need to prove anything so anyway i feel like this was the roots of this of this talk about raising Korea's moral character. Um, so so after the restaurant, um, a, blo- a few blocks away in Topgo Park, students had gathered, and uh, Chung uh, Chung uh, Jeyong Chung Jeyong uh, read the declaration aloud in Topgo Park in Pagoda Park. And others around the country were reading the same proclamation. They were able to coordinate this because they had all this network that they created from the secret organizations. And from Tapgol, they proceeded out. It was a peaceful procession. Uh, people were yelling, Dongnip, Dongnip Manse, Dongnip Manse, uh, long live Korean independence. And you'll hear Manse, Manse. You'll still hear that today. Manse. Yep. 
uh, not bonsai, which is in, like you said, <laughs> you were saying before the show, I'm Karate yeah. Kid. <laughs> yeah. They, and Mr. Miyagi teaches Daniel, say bonsai, bonsai, when he's driving out of the parking lot. The Korean translation is Mansei. 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 And, and, and also, Mansei is uh, one of the different toasts that we give. We, mm. we have Kambai, Kambai, mm-hmm. Kambai, and we say Mansei sometimes. Jang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jang, or it's the, the sound of the glasses. Yeah, Jang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mansei. I, like, I, I really like that word. It's something mm-hmm. I just really like that word. It's a fun one to say. I wish. I wish that would be used in a cheer. Is that is that a, is that really bad thing to do though? To be using a cheer for sports, do you think? Because I don't I like have no idea something like "Oh, Pilsen Korean, Pilsen Korea," mm. does not sound right to to English ears. I know it sounds perfectly fine mm. in Korean ears. Oh, Pilsen Korea, but mm. in Cup, here yeah. it sounds like "piss on Korea." I thought I thought they were saying pizza when pizza I first Korea? heard it. I, said, oh, I thought pizza it was Korea. Piss, I thought it was piss on Korea. Jesus, that's, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> that's definitely not what it is. <laughs> but but Monsei sounds a lot more. That sounds better than fighting. You know? Yeah. Fighting, no, Monsei. Right. Yeah, that, ma- that, Monsei, that's my ears, though. Right, right. Uh, Monsei, yeah, like you said, it's still, still heard. It's still importance it's it's a very uh yeah it's a very important cultural term for koreans i like it yeah i'll say i just want to say too i think you're talking about topical park it's uh maybe important to mention why that was significant because that was a public park that was Mm -hmm. the first western style public park in korea True. Yep. 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 Uh, but it was on the grounds of a 15th century Buddhist temple, the yes. Wangaksa. Yes. Which is now the now the name of the the, the pagoda that's there. Yeah. The the, the park Ta- was built in the 1890s, designed by a British architect. And Irish, I think, John Brown. Okay, Irish, Irish. Yeah, I think he was Irish. We just yeah. really lost our Irish listeners. No, no, I, I, I brought him back. Thank, thank, thanks, thanks for bringing him back. <laughs> thanks for bringing him back. Yeah, he pagoda, was, I'm pretty sure he was Irish, yeah. The, the anyway. pagoda itself was built or commissioned by King Sejo, mm-hmm. which we mentioned in a previous, uh, two previous mm-hmm. shows we did about Sejo. But did we, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so that the pagoda also is important uh Historically, it's because it's protected. It's a national one. It's on the national treasures list. National treasure number two, actually. Yeah. Beautiful place. It's a beautiful public park. I love the park, so that's, especially in autumn. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot going. So so the park is still there. You can still visit it. So um, you. Uh, so what Joe is talking about here, this is where they met. They met there because it was a public square. Right. That was the yeah. That was the significance of of of, of the park. Yeah. Yeah. So the crowds, um, they're they're getting bigger. Uh, the Japanese police, they're trying to suppress this. They're getting overwhelmed. Um, and so Japan calls in the army and the navy on top of the military police. Um, around the country, two million, pro, two million people join in 1500 protests around the country that's pretty big for one day for i mean yeah. and, and um even though it was a peaceful protest it, there was violence uh uh the 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 japanese of for enforcement turned on the protesters um lot, lots of people were hurt lots of people were killed uh, several thousand actually were killed. Uh, the, the numbers I'm seeing, uh, there were two, two schools, 47 churches, and 715 houses were burned and burned or destroyed. Um, uh, and a lot of the numbers I'm saying, 
likely are greater than what I'm saying. These are the official counts. Uh, that fifteen over fifteen thousand were injured. Uh, and the, there's a difference between the Korean numbers and the Japanese numbers at the time. Uh, the Korean numbers would say uh, seven seven thousand five hundred nine were killed, where Japanese said only five hundred fifty three were killed. Um, Korea says for, over forty six thousand were arrested, where Japan says only twelve thousand were arrested. These days, <clears throat> um, you the Korean numbers are pretty much the accepted numbers these days. Um, but one instance um, in Cheamni uh, near Suwon, twenty nine people were herded into a church and uh, burned alive inside the church. So there, it wasn't just like random acts of of uh, scared soldiers, you know, shooting into a indiscriminately to a crowd. There was some real cruelty going on, some inhuman cruelty going on during this. Um, so I'm going to include a map on our website at darksideofsoul.com. Um, this is from uh, uh, Kim Kibek's book uh, New History of Korea it's called A New History of Korea even though I think it was published in 1960 <laughs> but uh, and and it, it, it's this is a tough one for me to read because he uses the the Makun Rashauer spellings of Korean so I have to think oh hmm. what is that in in the modern spelling um, yeah. archaic archaic system yeah yeah scholars still use that it's nonsense but the, the current one says has a little bit of nonsense too, but it's easier sure. than the uh, the the, the McCune the, the system. Just looks like uh, the pronunciation guide in a dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Too, too many markings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretentious. I think still using it is pretentious. Still using it is pretentious, and it's, it shows that you're yeah. just out of out of the time, out of step with the times. And you know, I just my keyboard just won't be able to type those words. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just why? Yeah, you're just trying to cover up. Um. So anyway, uh, the numbers that came out caught Japanese officials by surprise. Um. Every one, every count, all two hundred, all but all but seven of Korea's two hundred eighteen counties participated. All but seven. So, so wow. So if you're doing the math, two hundred eleven out of two hundred eighteen, and this spread outside Korea, spread to Manchuria and Russian maritime territory. Um, is is spread? You can in uh, Shanghai and then US uh, and uh, you know, Hawaii, California it was just spreading all over the place and um, a lot of people would say that it ended there and because you didn't have the great war of independence uh, that, that freed Korea from Japanese rule well that wasn't going to happen uh, but there were attempts to do that so the aftermath of this, well, some of the leaders were publicly executed. Um, now, even though there were there were those trying to call for Korean independence from Japan, as I pointed out before, uh, the self determination clause of Woodrow Wilson's fourteen points. Uh, helped promote independence with the former uh, losers with the losers of, of World War One, but the winners of World War One were able to keep their territories. And, and during World War One, Japan was on the winning side. Yeah, they were an ally. World they War were I. an ally, and so they had they, jo- more- they they joined the they joined the fighting before the U.S. did. Yeah. So they had more political clout. They they were able to keep their territories, um, and they dismissed uh, the March first independence movement as a, a public disorder incident. Uh, Governor General 
uh, Hasegawa Yoshimichi uh, accepted responsibility for this, uh, even though his predecessors were to blame. Uh, and uh, he was replaced by Saito Makoto, which in my readings, now I could, be, um, people would, would, pretend, would, would, would contradict me on this one. Um, Saito can try to make things right in some ways but it was a little too late too little too late he he, he went back he backed up on the uh on, on the land risk redistribution uh he he um he replaced the military police with a civilian force but he also limited press freedom and, and all that and 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 later on when japan actually went to war in world war ii a lot of the a lot of the the loosening up tightened back up. Uh, Japan started just uh, forcing, putting more enforcement in, into Korea. Uh, Saito himself uh, later became uh, premier of Japan for a while. Um, just anecdote. So um, after this, on the Korea side, militias formed, uh, and they actually did have battles. That we don't, you see, you never hear this. Mm. That there were battles in korea and in manchuria a lot of people don't hear that 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 you always hear about what what was happening in the west and in japan in china pushing back the J japan imperial forces during world war ii you don't hear about the guerrilla fighting in korea and in manchuria and this was done by koreans um there's a lot of resistance with uh, by Catholic and Protestant leaders inside Korea, and um, and the diaspora, uh, which is basically means the Koreans outside of Korea. Uh, they were all in in China, Russia, and the U.S. They were becoming more activists. They were getting a lot more organized. Uh, uh, all those leaders they knew it was dangerous for them, so they went to exile. Uh, there were provisional governments in Shanghai and Russia. Um, uh, the Shanghai government was the Provisional Council of the Republic of Korea, started in April 1919, so one month later. Uh, that that was started by what's well, really primarily started by Kim Kyu-shik, but also by Syngman Rhee, An Chung-ho, Kim Koo, who were all prominent. They're, they're very revered um, in Korea as Korean liberation fighters. Um, Kim Kyu-shik himself attended the Paris Peace Conference in May 1919 to lobby for Korean independence. Um, didn't do so well because, you know, Japan blocked them, cock-blocked them the entire way. <laughs> um, but another, other representatives went to Switzerland in August 1919 for the International Socialist Party Congress, and the Socialist Party Congress adopted a re resolution calling for Korean independence. So that's really interesting there. Um, also, what happened was, uh, so you had all these independence organizations popping up outside Korea independently. <laughs> and uh, they were just, they were, it was just herding cats. They, they were all doing their own things. And they had military ones and diplomatic ones. And so the, the Shanghai uh, organization centralized all of these disparate expat parties expat organizations and they set systems in place that were set that were also set in place during the march first independence movement that made it possible to coordinate all these things down to the county and the township levels they were they're able to coordinate um they're able to get news of what's going inside and what's going outside um they're able to get funding from inside korea i wonder what happened to those funds you start wondering <laughs> Um, they were able to organize guerrilla armies in Manchuria and Russia, and they were centralized under uh, a one banner, the general headquarters of the Restoration Army, and that was based in Antung in Manchuria. And they set up their um, newspaper, the Dongnip Shinmun, which was a newspaper and, and also a, a PR arm uh, trying to promote Korean independence um, uh, propaganda. And such it reminds me a little bit of a vank v-a-n-k the the current organization trying to promote korean culture very clumsily in my opinion mm. 
uh, they're kind of behind the the bibimbap ads in the New York Times and stuff like that, <laughs> billboards and stuff. Uh, the Dokdo ads. They're behind. They're behind the Dokdo ads in um, New York Times. Mm-hmm. Which, though I agree with it, I just the the way it's done is a little clumsy. Yeah, no one in the New York, no one who reads the New York Times cares about that. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, anyway, there's better ways to do it. But uh, now I promised ahead of time that I would go into why, even though March first Independence Movement didn't result in an actual war that resulted in independence. Um, there was significance in this. Uh, for one thing, one thing that was significant was, unlike you, you would say a lot of other organizations, uh, like um, I think China didn't. Uh, I'm trying to remember from watching the Last Emperor. Then China want Puyi back in power. They wanted the Last Emperor back as an emperor. I'm trying to remember that. Um, I know, but. Uh, the significance of this movement was they did not want to restore the Korean monarchy. They wanted a republic, but it was a big change. Big, 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 big change in the thinking. And also, after World War II and Korea was liberated, the leaders of this independence organization in Shanghai ended up becoming the leaders, the first leaders of South Korea. Which leads to the the Korea we know now, the South Korea we know now. Um, little, yeah. Um, there were there were a few little. Uh, I think it was Chokyu Shik. I want to say it's Chokyu Shik who was involved in the in the Shanghai uh, group. Um, I think he was considered to be the leader of North Korea by the Soviets, and then they chose. Uh, uh, Kim yeah mm. yeah i want to go into this even more because the more i've read about how kim il-sung came into power it it sounds very clumsy it sounds like this was a guy who was not supposed to get into power <laughs> it was just a puppet from the beginning um anyway so the people that were saying it was a failure no it actually did have effects on what happened to korea later on it did um, and there's also an urban legend, isn't there, Sean? Yeah, there's probably more than one, um, but the, I think uh, one that's really important surrounds that I that I think is interesting surrounds Yukon Sun, who was one of the um, the key freedom fighters. She was just uh, seventeen. I'm trying to yeah, I think seventeen years old in the in the uprising. And, uh, on March first, didn't um, she go back to her hometown to do this? Well, no, because she, she went to school in Seoul. Okay, but she, after she was the uprising, her family to get involved, wasn't she? Yes, yes, right. So, okay, she she was going. She went to she was going to Ihua mm. in in uh, in Seoul, and uh, which is the same uh, high school my my wife went to. Um, uh, not at the same time, but uh, <laughs> she after the the uh, the protests, uh, Japan shut down the schools and uh, since so that meant that Korean students who were not from Seoul had to go back to their hometowns. So she did go back, yeah, to to uh, which now is Chanan, Chanan City. Which is a nice little town, and mm. there is a monument there for her uh, in Chenan. So, first related to that, around that monument area where she went back and got her family involved, and they had another uprising on April first, so a month to the day after uh, the init- the initial uprising, uh, which resulted in uh, the the Japanese breaking it up and and shooting into the crowd and killing quite a few people including Yu Kwon Soon's uh, family mm. uh, she was arrested but there is a legend about that and remember this is just a legend uh, these are the kinds of things that stories that are told to turn these these brave 
political activist heroes into folk heroes for us into you know into perpetuity so this isn't history this is this is a folk folk legend an urban Na- legend national myth yeah so she it said that on march 31st a lot of the people in that area who were getting ready to do the uprising on april 1st they were getting nervous and she recognized this so she climbed the local mountain that night by herself and she lit the beacon on the top and when everyone saw that beacon fire lit they knew that she had done it as a symbol of hope to give the people in the area uh, the confidence to work together and stand against their occupiers Mm -hmm. so that's the legend and then everyone got there that makes sense. I mean, yeah, you, you get this seventeen-year-old girl who's the least power has least power of anyone in the society mm-hmm. to perform an act like that, defying. Right. right. If she can defy them, we can do it too. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, she probably did do something, uh, light a fire somewhere around near a tower to signal the start of the uprising. But it's just kind of morphed itself into this urban legend that isn't very widely told. I've only come across it in a few places uh, and heard it heard it from uh, a couple of uh, 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 Koreans. But for Tapgol Park itself, where the the protest took place on March first in Seoul, it's said that if you go to the gates of Tapgol Park on the night of March first. So the anniversary of the of the uprising, mm-hmm. and especially if you go to the main gate, and the main gate is called Sam Il Mun, which means March First Gate uh, or Three One Gate. They say if you go to that gate on the night of March First every year and you listen very co- closely, you will hear Yu San Yu Kwan Sun's ghost roaming through the park yelling korea independence forever because when she died say, she, she died in 1920 say. she died in sadimun prison uh a year later and um so when she died she died essentially you know she died under occupation so the thing that she was fighting most for she never got to witness because mm-hmm. she died 25 years before korea was liberated so those are the kind of the urban legends that surround her lean towards folk myth for one and the other one just leans towards uh a ghost tale that underscores her dedication devotion and love for her country it's mm. a good one and to point out yeah in that area there's a lot of things named Samil there's Samil Dero the the street that runs by it named after right. March 1st 31 if he's time anytime you see like 31 or Samil it's 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 referring to this to March 1st independence movement mm-hmm. well that was it wow thank you ah that was great 50 ah wow I didn't think I'd, I'd be able to get do that much justice I think it did okay you did did good joe all right that'll do joe that'll do all right i'll say too that if people if people are in korea go you can visit the tapgol park of course and you can visit the yukon soon historic site in chanan city which is just about two hours south of seoul but not can't go to the the, you can't go to the uh uh the uh myonghwagwan the Oh no! The Tewaguan restaurant anymore? No. But but there is an Indian restaurant across the street that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can do that instead. And in the park now, uh, so like Wangaksa Pagoda, the tap, the pagoda itself is is still there, and the the, the grounds are historic, uh, not only for what happened in. 1919 but uh what was the, you know for how old a lot of the, the grounds itself are uh gr- the grounds themselves are um but if you walk around the park uh there are murals all throughout the park that highlight the independence movement mm. we'll return to the podcast after this message 
Take a walk down the dark alleys of the Forgotten 600 Year History. Bloody massacres, TV hideaways, and morning ghosts. Come face to face with souls' deepest, darkest secrets. What lies under the concrete? Or who? The dark side of soul ghost walk. But now, if you dare. And I'd like to point out that our music is by Sardak-san, which you could find on Bandcamp under Deju Digital. And to thank our top-tier patrons, Angel Earl, Joel Bonamini, Jamie Staley, Sharon Cullen, Devin Hifner, and Min Suk Lee. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk about... we got a good one next week. we got a good one next week. So This was a good one, too. I like this one. I'm, yeah. I feel like... This will be another one of our cornerstones. We'll refer back to this one quite a bit. History, modern history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the the one for next week is uh, going to be interesting, going to approach it in a little bit, going to be a little bit different, kind of mysterious, going to follow a mystery a little bit. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay spooky. Good night.